go. I'm a bulldog. So Georgia, who I'm picking? I love the family atmosphere and the way they handle business. Education is important. Trying to reach the next level. I want the best in life. What's I up, everybody? Dog Nation. It's a little chilly outside. It's getting that little true winter. We've we've had old Hallow's Eve. We've seen the dogs go knock down the Gators in Jacksonville. That's when you know the dogs have a really good football team. When they go down at Jacksonville, they handle business. That is a tale as old as time. We have a fun, informative, and a hmm show for you guys tonight here on Dog Nation's Before the Hedges, brought to you by Kroger. We're getting a lot of stuff. You know you got the dog of the week. You know you're going to have a Dog Nation conversation. This one is going to tell you folks, you good people out there, just how good and lucky Glenn Schumann and Kirby Smart are living these days. Uh, you're going to see one of the weirder high school to do. Let me rewind. Not weirder. The more unique high school traditions I've ever seen in my career as a reporter. Uh, you got a tail of the tape. Everybody wants to know what the Missouri Tigers, are they going to bring a challenge into Sanford Stadium? We're going to roll out one of our tried and true recruiting tail of the tapes to kind of show you how each team was built and maybe which side has a really decided edge and signing up the blue chip talent. Speaking of the Missouri game, we're going to talk about uh, the early visitor list, some names that we've kind of confirmed and seen that are going to be on the way. Pretty much the biggest names that are kind of sticking out to us so far. Very much subject to change, so we got a lot of stuff. But I kind of want to kick off the big five. Put that five fingers in the air for your big five. We're going to lead off pretty strong this week, but before I jump into this, I got to give a special, special thanks. Lots of shout outs here. Lots of shout outs to the Georgia Bulldog Club of Jacksonville. They hosted Dog Nation last week at the world's largest outdoor, you know what, in Jacksonville before 43 to 20. So many great people, so many great members there. I mean, they really treated us like we were all Heisman winners and it was the Heisman house. Uh, you met so many of the past presidents. I did not know that you needed to have uh, basically no hair on your head. You needed to be basically a bald guy uh, to be a president of the Bulldog Club these days, the Georgia Bulldog Club in Jacksonville. Met so many great people. Got to say thanks to everybody that showed up and said hi. And, uh, you know, just didn't be a stranger down there in Jacksonville as we hung out and had a great time and watched the dogs romp on the Gators. But I thought this was a good week, you know, Maybe maybe everybody's got knows the Netflix show Stranger Things or maybe a series of unfortunate events. Well, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the 2023 Georgia Bulldogs and how things could have been totally different with the 2023 roster. You don't believe me? Of course, we've got slides, and we've got one of Miss Kaylee's slides. That means it is the God's honest gospel. Take a look at this right here. It's going to be a future story that I'm going to flesh out on dognation.com, but I wanted to give you guys a tease of what I've got cooking in my cooking in my brain right here. So we're calling this Lucky Their Dogs. And for each of these names right here, I'm going to share a really quick snippet about how lucky it is that those guys became Georgia Bulldogs. Let's start with Brock Bowers, for instance. Brock is a guy that I've always followed his recruitment. And Brock took a trip to the Oakland Nike Regional, the Oakland Opening Regional, right before the pandemic. And he only had an offer from Nevada at the time. And that's when Brock, 6'3", 225, ran a 4'5", 
And that's when he got on the map with a lot of national recruiters. I believe that's how Todd Hartley initially found him. Let's look at that. Let's look at that graphic. Let's kind of leave it up here as we go through them. Without that, now remember this was right before the pandemic. So what if I've always wondered, like, what if Brock had to like, I don't know, like Sammy Brown help his dad clear trees out of the yard? Or what if Brock, you know, had something to do with like an AP test or he had to do something with a friend or had to work out or maybe his girlfriend or a family member needed to help him move furniture. If he doesn't make that camp, if he doesn't run at the Oakland Regional and get that four or five laser time out there, who knows where he ends up? Just Todd Hartley, the great Todd Hartley ever find him? That's something to think about. Carson Beck, same way. Carson Beck was committed to Alabama, guys. This is how crazy the recruiting trail gets. Um, he knew the offensive staff, Mike Loxley, offensive coordinator, Dan Enos, the offensive analyst. Well, Loxley gets the job at Maryland. Enos gets a job at Miami, and all of a sudden Carson has no idea who's going to be coaching him. He has no idea who he's going to be playing for. Of course, he knew he'd be playing for Coach Saban, but that's a defensive-minded coach. So that moment right there gave Carson all the time in the world to just take a 20-second timeout, press the pause button, and restart his recruitment. His restarted recruitment led him to the University of Georgia. So fascinating to think about what might have happened with Carson Beck had Mike Loxley never gotten the, the head coaching job at Maryland. That's one of those things on the recruiting trail and in college football where I call it the ripple effect. Like if you throw a rock into a pond or if you try to skim it across the ocean waves like a seashell, one little drop uh, creates so much of a shatter point or a ripple effect that it changes everything in the air around it. That's what I think one of those things happened there with Carson Beck. Another one here, Lad McConkie. Folks, Lad McConkie was a tried-and-true Tennessee fan. They had Tennessee gear, Tennessee stuff all through their house. If Tennessee would have offered Lad McConkie early in the process or maybe just early in his senior year, that recruitment would have been over. Georgia came in in January, basically about three or four weeks before he signed in February, offered he then he went, went to Tennessee for a visit. Tennessee still did not offer, and that's why the rest is history. That's why Ladd is a dog. Similar example for Cedric Von Prawn Granger out of LSU, out of Louisiana. He grew up in the Boot State, he, right in there in New Orleans, played for Warren Easton High. I've always looked at it that LSU was so late to offer, and because of that, Georgia kind of caught his wandering eye. He fell in love with Sam Pittman. He fell in love with the program. He fell in love with the way Kirby Smart ran his team. And because LSU was so slow on the draw, that gave Georgia a chance to swoop in and really jump center stage in Cedric's recruitment. Can you imagine the Bulldogs the last two or three years without Cedric Von Prong Granger at center? Such a good guy, such a good spokesman for the team, such an overall DGD. And I think had LSU gotten in early, or maybe as early as Georgia did, maybe not even as early, but at least mid-junior year, late junior year, then I think Cedric Von Pranger would have felt a lot of pressure to stay home. It's really hard for the Tigers to lose anybody in the state of Louisiana that they really want. Kendall Milton's another great example. I remember following his recruitment closely, folks, and that was a time when USC and UCLA, heck, all the schools and the state of California didn't really understand recruiting. I think maybe if USC was recruiting at the level it is now under Lincoln Riley, maybe Kendall Milton never gets out of the state. One thing I remember from that recruitment is, is when the Milton family started going on recruiting trips around the state of California and they were thinking of staying local. They didn't like what they heard. They didn't like what they saw. They didn't like the way the in-state Pac-12 schools 
recruited him compared to the Ohio States and the Alabamas and the Georgias and, and what have you. That's another big example. Dalen Everett's pretty simple. Dalen Everett, guys, was going to Clemson. That's Georgia's starting cornerback. He was going to Clemson. Then Brent Venables got the job at Oklahoma. There went that connection that all the defensive recruits in that Clemson class had with the Tigers. Georgia was able to swoop in, come with the flip, and that as they say on the recruiting trail, is also history. Dejon Edwards, another great story there. Dejon Edwards, probably definitely the linchpin of the Georgia's offense right now. Georgia was really involved with Zach Evans and Kendall Milton and Tank's, Tank Bigsby in the 2020 recruiting class. If, if Bigsby chooses Georgia, if Zach Evans, you know, that recruitment doesn't have aliens coming out of left field and it's just so weird all the way around, Dejon Edwards likely never signs with Georgia. He, wins, he likely winds up coming out of Colquitt County in Moultrie at Florida State. Can you imagine this Georgia football team without a, a dependable Dejon Edwards in the backfield right there? And I got one last for you, Oscar Delp. His family grew up South Carolina fans. They lived in Columbia. The family has a large home. His grandparents have a large home in South Carolina. His mom went to South Carolina. I'll never forget Mary Delp telling me one time during, um, during Oscar's recruiting. Really funny story because she grew up a Carolina fan, but Carolina was so late to offer. Carolina didn't offer Oscar until basically Shane Beamer got the job right around Christmas time. And really, I remember Mary Delp succinctly telling me that Oh my gosh, South Carolina, I created a human that could help you win football games and you didn't offer. All the while, Todd Hartley was on him, one of his first offers, recruiting him like gangbusters. Without that, if, if these little things, guys, that's like seven, eight key core starters here on the Georgia team. There's many more, but that's a little snapshot of why you watch before the hedges. Because Lots of folks out there love recruiting. Love you guys. Lots of folks out there are kind of passive as they watch recruiting. Still love you guys as well. And then there's the folks that are like, yeah, when they sign, when they start making plays for the dogs, that's when I'll pay attention to these young players. Let me tell you, that's why you should pay attention to recruiting. Because if not for this one thing or that one thing, can you imagine how radically different the 2023 Georgia Bulldogs would be right now? That, friends and family, is why we talk about recruiting every Wednesday night here on Before the Hedges. Folks, that's your big one. That's a big number one to start things out. Number two on your Before the Hedges, what do we do each and every week? I think I'm going to try I think I'm going to try a couple in a couple of weeks to get like a little sound cue. I know Kaylee can handle it like maybe George Clinton's dog, you know, nothing but the dog in me from a Parliament P-Funk punk funkadelic song. Every time we do dog of the week, maybe I'll get uh uh, George Clinton to do uh, Dog of the Week, but you get, you got to put up with me for a few more weeks. We've got another Dog, excuse me, Dog of the Week here on Before the Hedges, brought to you by Kroger. And guys, this week was a pretty easy one. This is the flagship recruit of the class, the five-star quarterback. Let's look at Dylan Riola. Talk about him as our Dog of the Week. First of all, let me give you a disclaimer, and this is going to make Kaylee Kaylee Mansell so excited she's going to pound the glass in the control room studio right now. 10 out of 12, 205 yards, four passing TDs, one rushing TD. That's all good. That's all good. Folks, that happened in one half last week against Mountain View, the home of Georgia defensive line commitment Justin Green. Look at that stat right here. Basically, in a half of work, 10 out of 12, 205 yards, four passing TDs, one rushing TDs. But you know what? Dog Nations before the hedges can't stop there. You remember that line in, in, um, 
Boomerang, the movie, the classic movie with Halle Berry and Halle Berry and Eddie Murphy, where you guys talking about his mushroom shirt. You can't stop there. You can't stop there. Guys, we've got this great Dog of the Week graphic, but we've also got Dog of the Week highlights this week. Take it. Check it out. You've got Dylan Riola. And folks, this is the story of this season. He drops back under some pressure, holds the ball. Look at him. Just look at the flick of the wrist right there. Touchdown. Boom. Everybody knows Dylan Riola can do this. But look at this, guys. You want to see some legs? You want to see Dylan Riola break the pocket, move the chains? Look at him right here. Guys, these are back-to-back plays in the first half. Watch him earn the Dog of the Week honor over and over right here. Look at this, guys. He's at the 21-yard line. Look at this. Drops back, doesn't see nothing, takes off, gets a block, evades one guy, sets up another block, goes for the corner, that's the rushing touchdown. That wasn't no rinky-dink, one-yard plunge, two-yard touchdown right there. That was Dylan Riola turning on the Jets, getting in the end zone for his fifth touchdown uh, of his game last week against Mountain View. Senior night this week for Buford High School against Central Gwinnett and the Knights. Dylan Riola coming off his best game so far. Well, well, maybe not best game, but best half so far as a Buford Wolf right there. Wasn't that something? What do you think about him running around, guys? I'd love to see your feedback in the comments section. Tell me what you think about Dylan Riola with the Jets, Dylan Riola with the Shake, uh, besides the big rocket-powered arm right there to earn the Dog of the Week here on Dog Nations Before the Hedges, brought to you by Kroger. Number three next up, got to put three fingers in the air. Hey, guys, you want to know about what I think about Mizzou and what kind of challenge the Tigers, number 15 in the country. Dogs are favored, believe, by 15 and a half. What kind of challenge can the Missouri Tigers present the Georgia Bulldogs on Saturday in Athens? We'll take a look at this. This is one of our tried and true tale of the tape. And, folks, I'm just going to let these numbers do the talking. I circled a few criteria here for each class for each program and how they've been recruiting since 2020. Now, a lot of the 2020 guys are not there anymore. A lot of Georgia's 2020s are off in the NFL already right now. But these are the last four recruiting classes these two teams have signed. And let me just say, one of these columns is not like the other. Take a look at this. Five stars signed since 2020. Mizzou has one. That's Luther Burden, the guy's name that's on the potato chip. Georgia surely wanted him at receiver. The dogs have signed 18. Let's look at the four stars signed. Missouri has 19. Georgia has 78. With numbers like that, it makes me kind of think that's going to be the final score or something like that on Saturday. Look at top 200 signees. These are the elite prospects, the best of the best, the All-Americans right there. Mizzou has signed five in the last four recruiting cycles. Five. And really, all five of them came in the 2022 class. Georgia has signed 63. Are you sensing a pattern here, Dog Nation? Look at this one. This is a key benchmark stat if I ever saw one. I looked at the 2021 class. These are the guys that are juniors on the team, guys like Amarius Mims, Dylan Fairchild for Georgia, Brock Bowers, a lot of guys that have been there. They're juniors, the bedrock, some of the foundational players on the team. Mizzou only has eight of their 2022 signee, 2021 signees left, eight out of their 23 signees from the class of 2021. Georgia has 17 out of their 20. Do you sense another pattern here? So they're like, how you're going, I know what you're saying, dear before the hedges uh, viewer tonight. You're going, Jeff, how in the world is Mizzou winning all those games? Let's go to the last item on the slide to make sure I give you guys the full picture here. Take a look at that. 
transfers. Mizzou has 30 members of their program over the last four recruiting cycles have came in through the transfer portal. I believe it goes uh, it goes 13 in 2022, eight in 2023. Georgia, on the other hand, has nine, nine. And that count, that's counting a lot of them in the 2020, 2020 and 2021 classes as well. Georgia has nine, including uh, just, just two over the last two cycles, comparatively speaking. Mizzou has 21 transfers over the last two recruiting classes. Georgia has two. That's just Dominic Lovett and Ra Ra Thomas. Ironically, Dominic Lovett transferred from Missouri to Georgia. Um, if you want to know how close the game may or may not be on Saturday, if you want to know how lopsided and topsy-turvy the talent, talent is right there, that's the best I can do for you right there in terms of the players and the personnel that are going to be on the game field on Saturday afternoon. Fourth thing up, put your four fingers in the air right now from Dog Nations before the hedges. Number four, uh, let's take a look at some early visitors. Folks, Georgia hadn't hosted recruits uh, for a visit since the Kentucky game. It's been a while. So these back-to-back weeks are the last two weeks of the season where Georgia can host recruits for a game inside Sanford Stadium. There's always a lot of commitments here. These are kind of the names that are sticking out to me right now. These are our early Missouri visitors that have caught my eye. I expect Ellis Robinson, the fourth, the highest-rated commitment in the class, uh, the number one corner in the country, a guy that I think can come in and really earn key Clutch, serious reps as a freshman, Ellis Robinson, the fourth. We talk about him each and every week because Ellis is that stinking good. Here's a name that jumps out to me, Andre Evans. He's the recent flip from LSU. Of course, this is flip season. He comes from Christ Presbyterian Academy in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's going to be there, five-star linebacker, 2025 class, uh, Ellaville, Georgia, Sly County. Uh, Sly County, um, Zayden Walker, linebacker, expected to be back. Number one linebacker in the country for 2025. A five-star cornerback out of uh, Westgate High in New Iberia, Louisiana, Jabari, Jabari, Jabari Antoine. Uh, he is a five-star corner. I believe he's the number four corner in the country, a number 25 overall prospect. That is a 2025 prospect as well. Walker's a 2025 Jabori, Jabori Antoine is a 2025 and Juan Gaston Jr., son of former Georgia Tech basketball player Juan Gaston, about 6'8", about 340, out of Westlake High School in Atlanta. He's actually expected to take multiple trips uh, to Georgia on back-to-back weekends here, Juan Gaston Jr. I think the dogs have recruited him very, very well so far up to this point. Another five-star uh, athlete could be a safety, could be a wide receiver. Lots of schools like him as a wide receiver. He just picked up an offer from Ohio State after a visit recently. That's Aaron Gregory, five-star class of 2026 out of Douglas County and Douglasville, Georgia. Those are kind of the, the big names that are standing out to me this week. Dog Nations before the hedges kind of rolls on right here. Let's go to our fifth and final part of our big five right now. It wouldn't be a Dog Nation before the hedges brought to you by Kroger without a Dog Nation conversation. I want you to check this one out. I've got two clips that I've kind of put together. One, Joseph Jonah Ajanye and Justin Williams from their game a couple weeks back when I was out there to visit with them at Oak Ridge High School in Conroe, Texas. And then the second one is another conversation quickly with Georgia five-star linebacker commit Justin Williams, guys. You want to know how sometimes it's great to be a bulldog and how Kirby Smart and Glenn Schumann are just living right? Well, 
Watch this week's Dog Nation conversation. Pay very close attention to the unique little factoid for Justin Williams as well and the second of these two clips. Let's watch it right now and enjoy on Before the Hedges. Brought to you by... First of all, I got to ask you this. This is a, a funny guy question. Tell me about the school song and the kicking, man. What, what, uh, what's going on with that? That's just a tradition. That's been an Oakridge tradition for years before we got here. Do you feel like an athlete when you do that, Joseph? Or do you feel like a silly high school kid loving it up your senior year? I feel great. I, it feels great, honestly, you know. Just celebrate the win. You play that when you get the win, really. And you don't, do you do that after a win or win or lose, do you guys? Yeah, we start to do it. You yeah. still do the kicking yeah, after yeah, you yeah, lose? Yeah, we What's that called? Uh, we just call it a fight song, school song, really. Yeah. Cool song, yeah. And they teach you you have to kick your feet like that? Yeah. I've never seen that before. Um, Joseph, I want you to play TV commentator. The play Justin made at the very end, the sack, I guess he tried to block. You look like you called your own number on that one. Yeah. What did you see out of him? Do you see like a rocket go off over your shoulder? Yeah, so well, I, I saw him run, and I was going to get off the block and try to um, help him, but I just saw he got it, so I was like, <laughs> I mean, on my ankle been bothering me, so I was like, yeah. <laughs> Now, what happened? It looked like you played better after. Did your ankle get rolled up? I know sometimes things happen in piles. Yeah. Like, what happened to your ankle, and what was it, and how would you – you had two sacks, I think, afterward. Yeah, so on the goal line, um, I, I made the tackle, and um, I guess one of the owners, somebody head first into my ankle, and it's been sprained since the first quarter. So I've just been playing on a sprained ankle, and yeah, I just doing my job, I guess. Does that make you mad a little bit? Yeah, because yeah. I feel like he yells. If, if ah, He just screams. I was just keeping my cool. If, if this didn't happen, I definitely would have more because I was getting pressure still, but I, I just wasn't able to plant and go. You know. so I'm going to rest up, you know, ice it, get back to the next game, get ready for playoffs. So, Justin, you're going to laugh when you hear this, see this later. But when we had you, your folks mic'd up, is when you came up with that fumble, that strip fumble. Like, take me through that play. Walk me through what you saw there, what happened. Uh, so, me, I was just playing QB spy. He, uh, I was trying to go uh, around the center, and the center kind of blocked me, so I, I shocked him a little bit, and then I saw the QB come out. And I tell him, I'm telling, I'm telling everybody in the film, I'm like, if he holding the ball, I can tell when the quarterback holding the ball loose. So I punch, and I'm, I'm doing it, strip, 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 strip ball. I'm like, that's us. Hey, you got to go get those. I tell him about the punch. So tell me about this. I believe it was seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. Your mom got you a debit card to get money to you. Yeah. She was away. And you got to choose your logo. Yeah. Why? What was that logo? Why was it that logo? You look <laughs> back at that and say, Oh, um, we're at the bank. Me and my brother were both at the bank, and he's like, he's with me. We're waiting there for like an hour. So I'm like, okay, I'm just trying to get this done. And then I finally get to, they're like, we get in there, they start talking, you know, all the jibber jabber or whatever. And then they give me like, oh, what card do you want? I'm like, this one looks nice. This one looks nice. And then I see like, a couple colleges. I'm like, no, I don't want that one. I, I was like, I want the Georgia one. And then now I have a Georgia debit card <laughs> since I was like eighth grade. So it's just crazy how like fate works and everything like that. Do you have it on your phone right now? Yeah, I actually do. I can show you right yeah, now. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. Where did I put it? That was right here. How much of that do you sit there and look back and go like, that was fate? Um, honestly. meant to be or what a weird... Uh, I, I think about it every day, honestly, when I look at it, uh, getting food or something, I'm like, that's just God. Honestly, anything that could happen, he was just, all the steps that he's building up to Georgia, you know, they came in last. They're like, oh, we got to do this right now, you know. This is God, honestly.
Look at that. Now, astute and very, I guess I would say hip, before the hedges, uh, viewers, watchers, community members, you have to notice the For All the Dog shirt he was wearing, right? You see that? Did you see how he was wearing the Georgia G charm? I want to just explain this to you for a second. How Kirby Smart and Glenn Schumann must be living right. Folks, Justin Williams is the number one linebacker in the country. Everybody wanted him. Steve Sarkeesian would give up his, a couple of pinkies on his play-calling hand to get Justin Williams playing defense for his Texas Longhorns. Dan Lanning would love to have him. And Georgia offers him very late. Georgia comes through with a dream offer. His dad, growing up, loved two schools, Michigan and Georgia. So those are the schools that Justin Williams was watching. In the seventh and eighth grade, his mom went to the local bank, and they're picking out a debit card. He picked out a Georgia debit card in the seventh and eighth grade. And then when Georgia comes calling the national champions, it all fell into place. Can you imagine how fortuitous that is for the Georgia Bulldogs and Glenn Schumann, the number one linebacker in the country. He's out in Texas, and he's rocking with a Georgia debit card since the seventh and eighth grade. I'm not making that up, guys. I know it sounds like I'm making that up. I know you guys are going, are you, Jeff, are you guys pulling my leg here, Jeff? Promise you I'm not, guys. That, my friends, is how the Georgia Bulldogs roll nationally recruiting uh, even in the state of Texas, they find the number one linebacker in the country, 6'3", 220. He's going to be the highest rated linebacker Georgia has ever signed. And he had a debit card of the dogs in middle school. I want you good people out here to tell me who's got a Georgia debit card right now that's watching before the hedges right now. You had one six years ago. And you guys love Georgia. And this player who's going to come play defense for Glenn Schumann and Kirby Smart had the Kirby, had the Kirby Smart debit card. I get a little animated because I just love stories like that. I love uncovering stories like that of going out on the road, finding these guys, talking to them and saying, you know what, wait till I tell these good people on Before the Hedges and DogNation.com what they need to know about this guy. The stories about Justin and Joseph Jonah Ajanye are incredible. You're going to read all of them about him soon on the dog pages of DogNation.com. Did you guys watch the last week when we faced JJA versus J Justo and the Dog Nation, who's the smartest dog game show? Man. Hope you guys enjoyed that segment. I like putting that together. I like showing you guys all the stuff that's going on right now, and I thought that was really stinking cool here on BeforeTheHedges.com. All right, guys, that's your big five. You had your dog of the week. You had your Missouri visitors list. You had a tale of a tape of why I think it is extremely lopsided, the talent edge for Georgia on Saturday. No matter what the hype masters and spin masters are going to tell you uh, about the game on Saturday, one team has a clear, decided talent advantage, and that would be the uh, – homestanding Georgia Bulldogs, the number two team in the uh, college football playoff rankings as well. Um, we also talked about our dog of the week, uh, Dylan Riola. Uh, great dog of the week performance there for Riola. On the ground, through the air, uh, throwing the ball. Also ran the ball very effectively last week as well. And then we talked about, I call them a series of fortunate events, not the Netflix show, a series of fortunate events. Call them the Lucky to be Dog segment. If you guys didn't check that out, if you guys are just joining us, go rewind, go look at it back on YouTube or Facebook or whatever. And I show you like eight or nine examples how the recruiting trail soap opera, the ebbs and flows, the peaks and valleys, how one move here has a domino effect down the road with so many other folks right there. If not for a couple of lucky breaks, it are fortuitous breaks, I would say, for the dogs on the recruiting trail. 
the 2023 roster would be decidedly different. I hope you guys enjoyed that segment. That's kind of the things we try to do and have fun with here on Dog Nations Before the Hedges. That's your big five, guys. Now let's talk about the weekly table stakes. We talk about all the things that's going on with Georgia recruiting. We, like, we, we break out our weekly slides. Let's take a look. Anybody out there want to see a class breakdown? Of course you do. Sure you want to see a class breakdown. Let's take a look at this right here. One of the guys was a great clip. I want to go to the offensive tackle spot right here. Marquez Ease, Easley. Uh, big Ease. Big Kez. It was called black, but I'm, I'm gonna, I owe you one. I got an IOU here on Before the Hedges. We have a clip, and I will get into the show next week for Marquez Easley, but he, he had a great game. His team won. They had a great regular season. Um, really great regular season tape there as well, but they're in the playoffs now, and he had a, there was a tip pass. Basically, essentially, he caught a pass off a deflection, went 55 yards, almost had the lineman's dream of getting in the end zone, showed off his athleticism, showed off his great uh, foot speed and uh, the way he really can move down the field and motor, but it got called back, but certainly he showed what he can do right there. Uh, let's talk about um, Sokovi White. Big happiness here for Sokovi White and the Cass Colonels, coached by former Georgia lineman Steve Gates. They actually qualified for the playoffs. They'll be playing Kell High School, not this weekend, but next weekend they'll be traveling to Kell. They were able to make the playoffs by beating Calhoun last week. Sokovi White had a couple of touchdowns, about 38 yards receiving on five catches. I think he scored once on the ground as well. But, um, they knocked out a Calhoun team that I think had been in the playoffs for like 20-plus years. And uh, the Cass Colonels are going dancing in the playoffs. Great for that. Nate Frazier had a huge game uh, for uh, modern day. He went over 115 yards, 150 yards, and had two touchdowns. We spoke to you guys about Dylan Riola as well as the dog of the week. Uh, moving right along on the special teams, Drew Miller, guys, he had about 80 yards rushing. and His team, he punted uh, like – like nobody's business again for the special team side of it. Uh, Drew Miller, your uh, specialist, number one punter in the country. I think they moved on in the Iowa State playoffs. I think they're already in the second round of the state playoffs in Iowa. Uh, moving on to the defensive side, that covers the uh, special team side on our class breakdown. Uh, one of the bigger view, one of the bigger attendees in the class breakdown. You heard me mention it early in the official visit list. Georgia is expecting to see. Uh, Ellis Robinson, the fourth back, and also Andre Evans out of Christ Presbyterian Academy. Christ Presbyterian Academy. Um, he's, the, he's the cornerback. Uh, he's going to expect it to be visiting in town. This will be his first visit to Georgia uh, since he flipped from LSU as well. Uh, looking at the rest of them, we had great stuff there with Justin Williams on the defensive side of our class breakdown. Joseph Jonah Ajanye, um, Chris Cole, his rankings continue to rise. Uh, I like the kind of the makeup of Georgia's defensive line group. Really, the some of the most remaining action for Georgia uh, on the in, for the entire class to come around the defensive line. Um, another visitor I forgot to share with you guys for the uh, um, anticipated visitor on Saturday, uh, expected to be there is uh, Statesboro athlete Cam McKell. That's another guy that we're watching closely, but he's probably not going to make his college decision until the traditional signing day in February. Andre Evans, we mentioned him a while back. DeMello Jones has got a big game on Friday night. DeMello Jones and Swainsboro will be facing Dublin uh, and Nazir Johnson. Uh, Nazir is the current Florida commitment that Georgia's truly trying to work to flip him into their 2024 class as well. That's your class breakdown. Let's take a look at the recruiting snapshot for this week. 
uh, or yeah, our recruiting snapshot for this week, 27 commitments. Of course, them dogs are still number one nationally in the class. 15 offensive commitments, 11 defensive commitments, one special teamer, 19 out-of-state, eight in-state commitments, um, 16 commitments from the SEC footprint. And look, we continue to tout this dominance here for Georgia on the recruiting trail. Look at the five stars. They got four. Look at the top 50 prospects. They got six. The top 100, there's nine. Top 150 is 16 and 19 10 on offense, 9 on defense in uh, top 200 commitments. Georgia has that many in the 2023 recruiting class alone. We were sharing you some numbers and stats from Missouri. Missouri has signed 19 four-stars going back to the 2020 recruiting class. And here's Georgia with 19 top 200 commitments. The four-stars probably go to number 380 or so. Georgia has 19 of those that are top 200 in just the 2024 class alone. Um, updated top targets. I guess if I wanted to be really get your hopes up right now, I would probably add a fifth. I know last week I gave you a trick-or-treat. Uh, Williams Winery, uh, was there was the kind of the hint that Winery was going to try and make a trip to Georgia for the Missouri game. I don't think that's going to happen now. I don't think Georgia's going to flip Winery at all. I don't think any chances of that are going to happen, especially if he doesn't visit again. If I had to add another name to that list, it would be Statesboro High's Cam McKell as well. But, um, you know, Georgia's giving him the, him the opportunity now to play on the offensive side or the defensive side. Um, but Marcellus Barnes Jr., that guy's out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, currently committed to Virginia Tech. Nasir Johnson, we mentioned him earlier, out of Dublin, committed to uh, Florida. Nasir's expected to visit Colorado this weekend, of all places. Uh, Terrell Anderson, be interesting to see if he sets up his official visit for the Ole Miss game next weekend. Makai Barrow out of uh, Creekside uh, High School in Fairburn, Georgia, former Florida commitment. Those, to me, folks look like the top remaining uh, targets for the Georgia 2024 class. Guys, got some questions? You want to talk Georgia football? You want to ask me something about the Missouri game? You want to tell me a funny story about your time in Jacksonville? I so love walking around uh, the complex and the Jacksonville sports complex on Saturday. Love seeing my friends from Savannah having their punting contests with libations. Love seeing everybody hanging out, taking pictures. Love seeing all the mullets. Love seeing all the people with the, the funny tote boards, the people walking around, having just a grand old time. Is what you do each and every year you come down to Jacksonville. I saw some dogs on St. Simons. I saw some, saw some dogs on Amelia Island. I saw some dogs in Jacksonville. Got to visit with the family of Carson Beck a little bit on game day as well. Got to talk to them a lot after the game as well. That was always, that'll be a highlight for always of the 2024 game as well. I'll tell you what, I'm going to jump over here on Facebook. Uh, Jay Bryan, I'm going to catch some questions. Jay, I think there's a very small chance at all. I don't really throw percentages out, but I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't even think about it um, in terms of KJ flipping. He seems quite content for uh, quite content to remain a Seminole. Um, what's up, William Camacho? What's up, Sonia Prescott? William A. Camacho. Hope everybody is uh, doing great. Um, let me see. Phil Rogers weighs in. He said he would take another 43 to 20. Phil, I don't think Missouri can get to 20 points. Um, can get to 20 points on Saturday in Athens. Uh, big weekend. Uh, Phil, I don't think McRae is going to flip at all. Ralph Folger Jr. Uh, 
Yeah, I was treated really good, uh, Phil, at the Jacksonville Bulldog Club. Man, I can't wait to go back and uh, hang out with those folks again next year. They're so good to us, like two, three years in a row um, watching us as well. Jerry Popham, hope you're doing great. Uh, Randy, I think the number feels like 30. I think that's the number it feels like. Might be aided a little bit by a transfer portal guy here or there. Um, the flips, the flips would probably be coming later on in the, later on in the cycle. Let me see. What else can I find? Anybody got any other questions? Um, YouTube's coming in really strong right here. Uh, shout out to Creekside High. Shout out to Buford High. Let me see. Uh, Joe Tony, I do not think Nikar is going to be coming back to the class. Uh, Taylor Russell's noticing that offensive line. Yeah, that's one thing. I, I, I think I said this on one of the shows, but you, the big difference here is you look at Georgia, and you know I think you folks can see that Florida's got like the number three or four recruiting class in the country. They've got a good defensive side of the ball. They've got some good defensive players in. We've mentioned L.J. McRae's name on the show a lot. The one problem is they have one offensive lineman that's among the top 200 players in the country. They have one four-star offensive lineman. Georgia has six. Six, all six of Georgia's offensive line prospects are four stars, except for Malachi Tolliver. That makes it five. But um, they have three or four that are top 200 prospects. You don't win the Georgia-Florida game unless you're massive and you have huge men that are people movers on both sides of the ball. That's why Carson Beck can look so good on Saturday, besides his obvious skill, talent, and development, and the way he processes the game so fast. It's because he has a lot of time and a clean pocket to set up in. Hope you guys got a chance to read our story on uh, we wrote on Carson Beck this week. You sh we shared a lot of stuff there about how this 2023 season feels a lot like the first time he got to start in, as a high school quarterback after waiting behind a very big name and then going out there and balling out and doing everything he could right there. You learned a lot about his family background, what motivates him, whether he had a, he had a stay or go moment. He didn't really have one of those talking to his mother. He had one of those where he was just a little low and needed a mama pep talk. Got a chance to talk. Got a chance to introduce you guys to a lot of the big key figure, figures in Carson's life. Uh, Bobo's headset, man. How are you doing tonight? Uh, Taylor Russell. Um, appreciate you guys hanging out. ABC Chiropractic. Uh, hey, man. Thanks for jumping in on the show. Anybody? Anybody have any more questions? Um, uh, Taylor Russell, I don't think that uh, Dabo's going to retire. Uh, and you know, you know, Sammy, in some ways, Sammy, Sammy's going to be a great college football player, guys, but in some ways, Sammy Brown did Georgia a favor because if they don't get Sammy Brown, that, you know, that really gives them a better chance to go get a guy like Chris Cole. I think they would, be, they would have been going after uh, Justin Williams regardless. I mean, the man's got a Georgia debit card. He was rated number one in the country at linebacker. Um, but uh, I think it helps for Georgia to bring a player in like Chris Cole. Uh, who's climbing up the ladder. He's a number 40-ish overall recruit right now in the class as well. Let me see, guys. Let me check out. Let me take one more loop around everything. Uh, Connor Collette has a question on uh, Facebook. Uh, I think Georgia is going to prioritize. They have prioritized uh, Travis Smith Jr. out of Westlake High. I love the way the dogs are recruiting him right now. He has a chance to be extremely good. Um, and the dogs got on him well before the rankings did. He's going to wind up, I believe, a top, probably a top five receiver in the class. Guys, I, I've been doing this a long, long time. I can't think of, I can't think of twenty um, receivers in the state of Georgia. Uh, 
I can't think of 10 receivers in the state of Georgia that are better than Travis Smith Jr. when they were in high schools, uh, dating back to like 2010, 2012. Um, let's see. Eric Ray, I believe that's classified intel. We're going to have to tell you about that at a later date. Um, Tracy Green recruitment commitments are always recruiting for the dogs. Dylan Riola continues to be a huge player advocate, the dog of the week for the Bulldogs as well. Mike Mazel, how are you? Um, guys, there you have it. We got your big five. We got all these things going on. Hope you guys had a good time hanging out with us here on Before the Hedges. Did you go crazy at Kroger? Did you go take care of your Halloween candy needs? Did you, were you one of those, you know, one of the things, we don't, we don't have too many rules in the Centel household, at least too many rules that Papa Bear is allowed to make in the Centel household. But what I, one thing I do is I make sure we're the family that has the full-size candy bars. And we have, we're the full-size candy bars, and we get those full-size candy bars at Kroger. You can pick it up with your click list. You can pick it up, um, your Kroger Boost, whatever you want to do. But go, you know, uh, Halloween's done now, but now it just means you got to fill up. I'm sure the Christmas stuff is already up and down the aisles right now with Kroger as it is, the Christmas candy and everything else. But um, hope everybody had a great Halloween. Let me hear, let me hear before, we, before we go, let's all be – Let's be all be good friends here. Like we're just hanging out on the tailgate, hanging out in the living room. What did what did everybody dress up as Halloween this year? Did you got a you got a Halloween costume? Anybody out there? Um, Matthew Brown. Hey man, what you got, man? Matthew Brown. I'm just. What's going on with Georgia this weekend? What's the spread? Hey Matthew, just check that. Uh, Georgia is facing Missouri this weekend. The spread's currently 15 and a half. They're hosting the number 15 Missouri Tigers at 3:30 p.m. Uh, on uh, CBS, that's the uh, primetime CBS game. Might be, folks, if we if we um, might be the last three thirty game in Sanford Stadium on CBS. That's something to think about. There, of course, you know there's a great chance the dogs are the three thirty game when they face Tennessee later on this week, and even when they face Ole Miss next week as well. But one of the few remaining ones as well. Everything else like that. Hey, Matthew Brown, I didn't skip you. Hope everybody, uh, Sonia Prescott, pretty, pretty funny parting line. She says, I just want to bless those Missouri Tigers for the butt kicking that they're about to receive. You know, when you can get a fine Southern lady breaking out some of that, bless your heart or bless their hearts or bless the Tigers, <laughs> that's what you got going on right now. Uh, Bob Page, I think there's an, if you saw the top targets list, uh, potential wideout Terrell Anderson, currently an NC State commitment. Uh, four-star wide receiver Brian McClendon BMAC went out to see him play a game on Friday night earlier this year from Grimsley High School, same high school that produced Jamal Jarrett. I think Georgia will go get at least one more high school receiver uh, out of the transfer portal as well. Uh, Winfred Steinspring wants to know about Carson Beck. Well, I'll tell you what, Carson, I'll be very honest. I think Carson's going to be an ascending player where he's going to have a decision to make whether he wants to be a, a day two, second round, or third round pick or maybe come back for another season and become a first rounder, a mid-first rounder. He could continue playing out of his mind and maybe be a, an end-of-the-round first rounder as well at the end of this year. But I'll tell you, um, I'll just be honest with you, man, uh, Winfred. If Carson Beck comes back, that's going to be – uh, a little jumbled up quarterback room because, you know, I think it's fine for a guy like Puglisi and uh, even Raiola to maybe not play as much or even redshirt their first years. None of those guys are expecting to come in and start at Georgia. But, um, you know, Carson having one more year does uh, – well, first of all, if Carson comes back, Dylan won't be able to wear number 15 
uh, his, as a freshman in Athens, he'd have to pick a New Jersey number. But I think, you know, Gutter has always told me, that family's always told me that he wants to graduate from Georgia and then figure out what to do from there. I think the really interesting name to monitor there would be Brock Vandegrift. Um, such a great, fo- high, great high school football player. Uh, could be a great college player if given the chance. But, you know, I know he's set to graduate this fall. And, you know, should Carson come back, I think that would probably mean Brock uh, could graduate transfer somewhere else as well. Because he's – man, he's probably good enough to be the starting quarterback in a couple of places. Maybe, you know, Auburn was always a place that the Vandegrift family held held pretty dear to their hearts. Got a lot of family in Alabama. That's a, that's a place that, you know, Brock Vandegrift going to Auburn. Um, if that happens, uh, who knows? we got a lot of football left to be played. But, Winfrey, I'm not trying to make you guys go crazy and jump off of uh, jump off of uh, you know, bridges or anything like that. But that's kind of what the way I see things, what's happening. It's probably a little premature to talk about that a lot because we need to see how, how Carson finishes his season as well. But, you know, the natural order of things, that's kind of how I would see it shake out. Brock's certainly good enough to go play somewhere else, especially if Carson comes back for another year. And then you would have Gunner and, you know, Dylan Riola and Ryan Puglisi as well. Those would be great problems to have for Georgia Bulldog fans if the way Carson's playing right now, the way I think he's going to continue to get better over the last four, four five, six weeks of the season, and uh, where he could probably be by the time January or by the time December 1st rolls around after another three or four big games uh, in the pocket for the Dogs. Guys, that, my friend, is Before the Hedges brought to you by Kroger. I want to thank everybody for hanging out, watching our show. Thank you for all the interaction. Thank you for all the questions. I hope you guys have yourself a very great evening. Guys, I'm Jeff Sintel. That has been your intel. Be well out there, and we'll see everybody again on the pages of dognation.com. God bless you, everybody. We'll see you again on Saturday and see you again next week. Let's go. I'm a bulldog. So Georgia, who won't pick it? I love the family atmosphere and the way they handle business. Education is important. Trying to reach the next level. I want the best in life. I never settle.